Welcome to The Brain Trust, a physician's guide to diagnosing Alzheimer's disease and related dementias, brought to you from the Illinois Academy of Family Physicians. I'm Dr. Kate Rowland, family physician, member of the IAFP, and faculty at Rush University. Funding for this podcast series was provided by a grant from the Illinois Department of Public Health. The goal of The Brain Trust in this podcast series is to educate and empower the primary care clinician in the early detection, diagnosis, and management of Alzheimer's disease and related dementias. Clinical resources, free CME, and other educational materials are available online at thebraintrustproject.com. CME credit is available for each podcast. The Illinois Academy of Family Physicians is accredited by the Accreditation Council of Continuing Medical Education to provide continuing medical education for physicians. Information on how to receive credit can be found on the Brain Trust Project website. Thank you for joining us as we empower each other and provide training on the early detection of Alzheimer's disease and related dementias. And now, today's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of The Brain Trust, a physician's practical guide to Alzheimer's and related dementias. Today's episode is Dementia Care in Rural Communities. I'm your host, Yukesh Ranjit. I'm the Director of Division of Geriatrics at Southern Illinois University Center of Family Medicine in Springfield, Illinois. Today, our guest is Dr. Sharon Smaga. She's a geriatrician and professor emeritus of family medicine, family and community medicine at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale. In today's episode, we will be discussing early detection of Alzheimer's disease and related dementias in rural communities. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Smaga. Thank you. It's really nice having you here with us today. I'm, I'm excited about talking with you to talk about all these issues with you for a long time. <laughs> I know we do uh, meet every once in a while, but don't really get to sit down and talk to each other. <laughs> no, we do not. And, and uh, I, I would like to pick your brain today and learn more about your experiences uh, of uh, working with the, you know, the, the patients with uh, dementia in rural communities. So uh, tell me a little bit about uh, your community and the prevalence of Alzheimer's and dementia in the, in the population that you serve. Well, as you said, I um, I live and work in Carbondale, which is uh, probably one of the larger communities in Southern Illinois, but uh, it is you know part of rural Southern Illinois. The um, prevalence of Alzheimer's is hard to say. I even actually spoke with our local Alzheimer's Association director and really couldn't give numbers specifically for this part of the state. However, we do know that the population of elderly geriatric patients is higher in Southern Illinois compared to the rest of Illinois. And so just looking at that, we have to also then assume that the prevalence of Alzheimer's is higher since we have a higher a population of elderly people here. That is really interesting, Dr. Smaga. And uh, this is something we have not really talked about much in, in, I think, our mainstream medicine. The fact that rural communities and smaller communities often tend to not be served as well as the urban communities. It's hard to even find numbers of people with Alzheimer's, and we have to relate it with the elders. that, That is a very interesting thing that I hear from you. So, Working with this community without even getting a proper data, there must be a number of challenges that you face on a regular basis. Could you please tell us more about some of the challenges that you face on on a a regular basis with early detection of Alzheimer's in your community? Sure. I think there's a lot of challenges. Actually, starting with, number one, a lot of denial with uh, the patients themselves. They're reluctant to 
you know, even talk with their own physicians about it. They often won't bring it up. You know, it'll, ha- it'll often take a family member to try to contact their physician to say, hey, I think there's a problem here. And once, you know, you're, you think there may be a problem, first of all, the physician in their office may feel they don't have the time or the resources to really truly evaluate this person for Alzheimer's. If they don't feel they can do it, they don't, they don't feel that there's a lot of specialists in the area who would be very knowledgeable in this area. You know, we don't have a whole lot of neurologists, geriatricians, et cetera, you know, in Southern Illinois. And so really the resources are not as good as if it would be in an urban area and just the physician having time in their office to feel that they can really take care of the problem. Sure. And then the physicians there, they're taking care of a wide variety of patients. We have a lot of physicians are family physicians and community physicians over there. Is that correct, Dr. Smaga? That is correct. They're seeing a lot of different people. They you know, have short 10, 15 minute time to see the patient. And so, you know, what can they get done in that amount of time to evaluate this problem? And that is a big problem. And I, I find that problem not just in Southern Illinois, but I've, I've worked in rural Louisiana. And then the problem is the same. Basically, we have limited number of providers and the limited number of providers can only do so much. And the time you have is limited. And, you know, you have so many different comorbidities that you are actually taking care of that you have one slice of that 10 minutes and it's very hard to uh, assess for dementia uh, and Alzheimer's disease in that slice of time. With your population and your practice down there in Carbondale, what efforts have you made you know, with regards to early detection you know, given all these barriers that you have? There are community resources that could be used uh, once people know that they're there. There's community resources such as we have the Shawnee Alliance that takes care of a large amount of counties in southern Illinois, and they will come and do some assessments for the patient. We also have the Egyptian Area Agency on Aging, and they have some resources. There's also local Alzheimer's Association. So these resources can be utilized to help with the evaluation. There's also things such as we're actually part of the, the SIU Memory and Aging Clinic, you know, that people can refer to. And it's a whole SIU, kind of a statewide, at least in you know, central and southern Illinois, there's a whole memory and aging network that you can go online and look that up and see which, if there's a clinic that would be near your practice that you could use. You can also see your own local social worker network and go through them because they often have things available. Absolutely. We do tend to talk a lot about specialists and subspecialists, but at the end of the day, a lot of the brunt is actually borne by the caregivers and the local community, basically. It's it's, it's almost like a, it's a new saying now, it takes a village to take care of an Alzheimer's and a dementia patient. Exactly. <laughs> and knowing the resources that you have locally plays a big role in how uh, uh, we treat uh, patients uh, with Alzheimer's and dementia. And and like you mentioned, uh, the Memory and Aging Network, I believe it's, it's a part of the whole Illinois system, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I think that they have clinics throughout the state, uh, as far as I know. Also, uh, Alzheimer's chapters, local chapters, they do have a lot of resources. And uh, I use some of the resources over here in Springfield myself as well. All of these yeah. are great resources, <laughs> I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And the families can get on and, uh, you know, there's online tools for them to also see if they think there's a problem going on with their family member. Yes. Uh, you talked about uh, family members and, you know, if they think uh, if there's a problem with the patient, what tips do you have for early detection, you know, as, as a part of regular visit or for family members per se? As far as uh, tips for early detection, 
for, as far as the physician themselves, you know, they could have specific times that they would actually do some screening. I think most providers try to provide the Medicare annual wellness visits. And of course, some of the dementia screening is part of that. Other times would be like if the physician thinks, you know, the patient comes in and they have a concern about the patient or the patient or family member comes and has some concern, you know, that's obviously a time to do some evaluation. But yes, if any time the family member is concerned, they should also call their provider you know, and say, hey, I, I want to at least tell them about this. So then the provider can, can go from that and, and, and call the patient in and kind of evaluate them further. Yes, that is always important. It's just to know those red flags and you know, someone who has a thinking problem that is not healing, for lack of a better word, the fact that they're being more forgetful and all these red flags, they do help us in, in, in early detection a lot. Let me ask you something more clinical, Rishmaga, just something that I find interesting. So what are the tools and resources that are there that you utilize in your clinic? And what are the tools that might be there for our primary care physicians who are not necessarily geriatrics trained, but they are working and serving our communities throughout the rural parts of Illinois? There's uh, several different tools that could be used by providers to aid in this. Some of them would be, as I had mentioned, you know, using your annual Medicare wellness visit to do some of the screening and setting aside maybe some other yearly time you know, to do some kind of screening. There's a few different tools that are out there that can be used for screening. I think most people are aware of the MMSE. It's been around for many years. It's been a traditional screening. It has kind of changed to a proprietary form. And so some people are not using it as much now. And there's also one called the MOCA, the Montreal Cognitive Assessment that's out there. But again, most providers are probably not going to be starting with something like that. What is out there that could be used, and it's pretty simple, is the mini-cog, where uh, it's the screen where you ask three questions, ask the patient to remember the uh, three words, I'm sorry, and they have to repeat that to you later and you have them draw a clock. So it's a pretty um, efficient screening tool to use in the office. Another one is the SLUMS, the St. Louis University Mental Status Exam that is free to use. And um, it's also you know, a relatively quick assessment that can be used in the office. And not only those, you know, those tests all look at cognitive tests, but I think when you're evaluating these, it's also good to look at the patients, what we call the functional assessment. And so, you know, with these memory problems, are they having problems now driving, taking care of their bills, cooking, you know, the, the activities of daily living? I think throwing in the assessment for that is also important. Yes. You bring a very uh, important point over here. Oftentimes we tend to think about uh, dementia or memory issues or, or Alzheimer's as just as this cognitive decline. We do not focus so much on functional assessments. And uh, it's a combination of both, basically. It's a, there has to be a decline in cognition and it has to be severe enough to affect their activities of daily living. And I think, I mean, if we were, can combine both of these, I think we can detect Alzheimer's and dementia at an earlier stage. And also trace their decline, actually, like and if there's a functional ability that they were capable of performing six months ago, but they cannot perform it right now, we know that they're declining. And it also helps, I think, like we say, sometimes the families are concerned and you do the testing and they don't see, you know, they don't, they score pretty well on the tests, but from what the family is saying and the patient admits, functionally, they're not doing well at home. And so this is a person that may need you know, intervention a little more earlier than say somebody that doesn't score as well, but he and the family are like, oh, everything's great. We're, we're doing fine at home, you know, and don't need much. So you yeah. have to take, you know, both into consideration. 
Absolutely. And then uh, also we have to remember that uh, the tests that we do, these are screening tests and these are not diagnostic tests. We screen patients uh, for dementia, but uh, if the patient scores well, it does not mean that the patient does not have dementia per se. I actually was interested in these studies and I, uh, we did a review on, we actually got it published, a review on these different tests. And the sensitivity and specificities of these tests are almost similar, like MMSC, MOCA, Minicog, SLUMS. Minicog tends to be much shorter, basically. It's just, uh, like you said, three uh, remembering three words and drawing a clock. So I find it to be more practical to use Minicog, especially if you have a large volume of patients that you're serving. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, done in five minutes, another five minutes to talk about functional assessments. And uh, as a primary care, you know, you'd have a good idea of what the patient's status is. I think that is a good approach too. How long have you been in practice now? (laughs) Oh boy, (laughs) about uh, 37 years, I think. (laughs) Oh, wow. So you must have had a lot of experiences with your community in in all these years. I have. And some years ago, I started off more as a, I'll say as a OB what I did a lot of deliveries on all. Once I got out of that, I kind of switched. It's like, okay, where, where else could I help out? And I looked at the geriatric population and thought this is a, a big need in Southern Illinois. So since uh-huh. then, I've worked a lot with geriatric patients in, in various forms, in either nursing homes or in the memory clinic. And so um, I've yeah, I've dealt with these issues for quite a while. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. I mean, like, so you have seen patients throughout the spectrum, you know, like, uh, you, uh, and then you finally decided uh, to do more for geriatric patients because there was a need. And even in geriatrics, you have seen patients throughout the whole spectrum of geriatrics, nursing oh, home. Definitely, yeah. Inpatient, outpatient, home visits. That That is amazing. Tell us uh, something about, uh, you know, some of the positive experiences that you've had, uh, you know, with regards to dementia, early detection. I have had patients where they were reluctant, you know, they didn't want to admit there was a problem, but the families actually saw some issue. And so, you know, once evaluated, there was obviously an issue. And by talking with the patient and saying, you know, look, we're not trying to make you feel bad. We're, we're just trying to find a problem, just like if it were diabetes. If we catch it early, we can take care of the problem. And one of the things we want, you know, you want to stay in your home. We want you to stay in your home. So by finding this early, we're going to do everything we can so that you can stay in your home and lead a productive life. And then, the, you know, when patients hear that, they're willing and get the help they need. And they do end up having a more productive life because they're able to stay home, kind of do things that they would really like to do. You bring up a really great point, actually. Like uh, a number of times patients, when they hear the term dementia or Alzheimer's, uh, or for that matter, even mild cognitive impairment, patients often just think, okay, I'm going to nursing home and I'm going to have a life that I do not want. Right. Mm-hmm. So we we try yeah. to tell them that that's not the whole purpose of this, right? Uh-huh. We're, we're, we're trying to keep every other part going for you. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes patients are like, what you don't know doesn't harm you. You know, so I've seen that approach as well, where patients are reluctant to know. But, but just letting them know that learning about their conditions early could actually make them independent for longer and have the quality of life they enjoy for longer. It, it, it is something that has been helping in my practice as well. And I'm happy that, you know, uh, <laughs> it's, it's the same with, with you as well. Obviously, you have much more experience on these than I do. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) Uh, I've learned so much from you about rural communities today and uh, from the conversations we've had in the past as well. 
for uh, clinicians who are just starting out or clinicians who are amidst a, a busy practice where, you know, they have, uh, especially our family practitioners who have so many different conditions that they have to tackle on a regular basis. Uh, what kind of encouragement or what kind of advice would you like to give them with regards to dementia? I try to tell because we do train a lot of uh Physicians, you know, I'm a, in a residency program and try to tell them that, okay, you know, they always see that these older people, oh my gosh, it's going to take, you know, a long time to evaluate them because they have so many problems and now they have the memory issues. But says so you don't have to tackle everything at one time. If you kind of organize yourself, get a plan, do some things one visit. You know, have them come back, do some other things. You know, you could break it up so that it's uh, you have more time to actually be able to sit down and do your mini cog and then be able to talk with them, try to get the, the parents involved or the patients' families involved. Don't be afraid to use uh, your local resources. I think it's very important once you get into a community to find out what your local resources are and start using them early on. But again, take your time with it. It's a very re- rewarding part of medicine you can feel that you're really doing a lot of good for this patient. So, you know, look at it that way when you're seeing these patients and break it up into time management that you, that you can actually handle in your practice. Well, that's really amazing. Words of advice. You don't have to diagnose it all in one visit. It has to be, it can be done in stages and while we're taking care of other stuff, you know, we could work on a long-term basis with dementia and also finding the local community resources. It's such an amazing word. Uh, there's my guy, if you had a magic wand, for example, if you had a magic wand and you, know, you okay. could do something for the communities that you serve, especially the rural communities and with dementia, what would you do? Boy, that's a good question. <laughs> if I had a magic wand, well, one of the big problems Again, it's transportation in <laughs> in rural communities, getting patients to areas they need. So, you know, I think the rural areas are working at it where they're getting more transportation systems, you know, to help the patients get to appointments, et cetera. And, but if I had a magic wand, you know, I would increase that so we had much more help in getting transportation to these patients as well as more home health services. You know, we do have resources like Shawnee Alliance that do come to the home. But I have to say, you know, we, we probably don't have enough home health aids and, you know, that type of thing that the people need. And so if I had a magic wand, I'd increase the number of home health aids that we would have to help these people stay in their homes. That is amazing. Any other words, anything that you'd like to share with our listeners to understand rural communities better? Again, just the problem is a lot of them are very isolated. Some of these communities, you know, don't have even hospitals. They don't have very many physicians in some of the counties, you know, especially to the south of us. And so the medical care is very, I don't want to say fragmented, but it's just hard to get to some of the resources that the patients need. I know um, I'll have to admit that I'm originally from the Chicago suburbs <laughs> and, <laughs> and most of my family is there. And so I'll say something like, oh, you know, the person needs a neurologist. I go, well, just, you know, why can't you see a neurologist? It's like, well, you know, we have like one or two in uh, Southern Illinois. It's not like, <laughs> you know, 10 at this one hospital and 10 at another hospital. And so, you know, it, it's just not the same resources in a rural area as there I was in an urban area like Chicago. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, uh, the, the disparities are there. Yes. 
This is really nice talking to you, Dr. Smaga, today. Uh, thank you so much for your insights and thank you so much for serving our community in uh, Carbondale and the surrounding rural areas, especially with you being from Chicago, you know, and serving there for such a long period of time. I'd like to thank you for all the, all the service that you provide. That uh, was it uh, with regards to our talk with Dr. Smaga today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And I uh, hope all of you have a great day today. Thank you to our expert faculty and to you, our listeners, for tuning into this episode. If you have any comments, questions, or ideas for future topics, please contact us at podcast at thebraintrust.com. For more episodes of The Brain Trust, please visit our website, thebraintrustproject.com. You'll find transcripts, speaker disclosures, instructions to claim CME credit, and other Alzheimer's resources as well. Subscribe to this podcast series on Healthcare Now Radio, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, or any major podcast platform. Thank you again, and we hope you tune into the next episode of The Brain Trust.